Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Money and Me. Stocks have had their worst day since October. Worst daily drop in three months. My goodness me, we'll sort of uncover the reasons why. Also, we'll, of course, talk about GameStop. Uh, their stocks soaring as small traders team up against big institutions. That Reddit thread went dark briefly and there were uh, implications of that. You heard about that in our business news uh, a short while ago. Also, we'll take a look at um, China as part of its regular operations to control liquidity. The People's Bank of China has offered far less new liquidity this week than the markets expected. What does my guest make of that? And then we'll take a close look at a couple of corporate results for you. That's all coming up. First up, it is time to welcome Arun Pai to the hot seat, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. Good morning, Arun. Good morning, Michelle. So U.S. stocks, let's get your overview of what's happening in markets. Okay, Arun, U.S. stocks suffering their worst loss since October overnight. The U.S. Federal Reserve issuing a glum assessment of the U.S. economy. Investors still awaiting a number of earning reports from big tech companies. It looks like those tech companies led the sell-off because the Nasdaq dropped more than 2.5%. The losses overnight wiped out all of the S&P's 500 gains so far for the year, dropping it into negative territory. So my question for you, Aaron, is why this sell-off if the Fed is leaving interest rates and monthly bond purchases unchanged? I mean, it was basically expected that the Fed is not going to like try and move around interest rates too much. And we're going to keep seeing that news for the next uh, couple of years, at least, I would say. Mm. It, what was interesting, though, was uh, earnings of all of many companies, right? And most of the earning reports that at least I was going through, uh, the companies actually did mostly beat earning expectations. But I think this is just what happens when shares are traded at, or you know, businesses are trading at extremely frothy valuations, unless a company really, you know, massively beats earning expectations, it's kind of becomes like par for the course. And then investors will take a step back Maybe look at like some more macro news of, you know, maybe riots happening in Europe over the whole COVID lockdown and other headline macroeconomics news, which tends to be quite negative, especially when we're in the middle of a pandemic and potentially take chips off the table. So that's when we saw like quite a bit of like profit taking. I mean, if you look at Apple, phenomenal earnings, and yet the share price was down like four or five percent after hours, too, and a number of other companies also. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Now we need to talk about what I see on all my screens flashing before me. GameStop, GameStop, GameStop on almost all the headlines. So a Reddit thread of day traders have been pushing GameStop's stock up soaring. GameStop, for the listeners, a company whose sales are expected to have shrunk in four of the past five years. So it's a head-scratcher for Wall Street, but not for the three million strong, self-described group of degenerates on Reddit's Wall Street Bats, Bets forum. Uh, day traders who've gathered in a game that seems to be spreading from GameStop to cinema chain AMC, amongst a myriad of other stocks that these day traders say they intend to make the next GameStop. In this battle of small 
small traders teaming up against big institutions. And so far, the little guy seems to be ahead in the game. They put the squeeze on hedge funds that were shorting the stock. A couple of high-profile hedge funds announced that they are calling it quits, like Melvin Capital. They've been bludgeoned by the Reddit crowd. So, Arun, first up, I want to take a step back. I wonder if you can share with us a little more in terms of background so we can understand this tactic these retail investors are employing, this short squeeze. How does it work? Absolutely. So uh, what hedge funds try and do is generate absolute returns. So what that basically means is uh, the typical hedge fund will go long or basically buy a certain number of shares in companies that they believe will do well. And then they go short, or which basically means you sell the stock of a company which you do not own after borrowing the stock. So say, for example, in this case, at least, GameStop was a company that many hedge funds, uh, Melvin Capital was the primary one, I would say, which believed that the underlying business model of the company will lead its share price to correct or fall down by a substantial portion. So what Melvin Capital went and did is go out to the market through its broker, go and short shares of GameStop. So say what it, it literally means if, the, if you shorted the share price at, say, $10 and the share price drops to $5, you basically made a $5 profit. Mm-hmm. So that's the concept of, uh, you know, just shorting the stock. What the interesting things that happen in the market, and this is not the first stock uh, that's gone through a massive short squeeze. Uh, we saw Peloton, uh, the, you know, uh, not electrical, but uh, the gym manufacturing uh, bike company that... Uh, who's had a massive rally in its share price. We saw uh, a company in Europe also a couple of years back in the car manufacturing sector. What happens in the case of if there's a very large percentage of shares outstanding of the company that have gone short, that basically means the market as a whole or many participants in the market believe that the share price will go down. So they've gone about borrowing shares from the people who are long the stock and I'm gone about shorting it. Now, it's very interesting, like given, you know, maybe a lot of retail traders have a lot of time on their hands. And this is a subject that we've talked about quite a lot since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. where we've seen a lot more like YouTube clips and this Wall Street bets forums, etc., mm-hmm. where they go out and like hyper stock. Now, that becomes extremely painful for the short sellers, because say, let's say, go back to that example of $10 potentially collecting down to $5. If a lot of retail investors take that $10 stock and push it up to, say, $15 or, say, $20, when they push up a stock from $10 to $20, the hedge fund that is short the stock at 10 hmm. is now down 100% of its money, right? Like, so because it's literally from $10 all the way up to $20, mm-hmm. $10 of the initial investment of $10, so they are basically short 100%. The problem with shorting is that your losses can be infinite. The maximum amount of profit a short seller can earn by shorting a stock at $10 Mm. is when the stock goes bankrupt, i.e. zero, which means you can make a maximum profit of $10 and hence it's 100% profit. You compare that to if your share price goes from say $3 all the way up to $300, you're looking at like millions of percent of losses, which even if in a portfolio of a hedge fund, you're only talking about an investment sizing bet of even like say 1% of your uh, total investable assets, you're still talking about ginormous losses 
which will force you to basically shut down the entire fund. And that is exactly what these retail investors, or I should say retail traders to be more apt, Mm -hmm. has kind of taken advantage of. They went about spreading the message, knowing fully well that the percentage of shares that are shorted of the stock is even more than the number of shares outstanding, went about not just buying the underlying stock, but they went about buying tremendous volumes of call options. Call options, very simply, uh, apologies for boring your audience, but call options, very simply, is the right to purchase a certain share at a price for a certain time period. Mm. So when you go about buying these call options in volume, who do you buy this from? You buy it from a market maker, which is typically like an options trader on the other side of the uh, transaction. What happens to that option trader when the share price keeps starting to inch higher because of the fact that a lot of these retail investors have been, quote unquote, pumping the stock? The options trader who's on the other side, who has sold this call option to the retail investor, has to go about trying to cover, to some extent, their delta. Cover their delta basically means they, in turn, have to go into the market and start buying stock to cover their position. And that's like delta trading or like gamma hedging, which a lot of people have been referring to on these various uh, investor or trading blogs. So you have retail investors buying the stock, retail investors buying call options, leading to investment bank market makers or option traders having to cover their short option position by buying stocks further. That leads to certain short players deciding, "Uh oh, I'm already down like 200% on my investment. Let me go about covering my short position. And that just keeps escalating all the way up to share prices, share prices like skyrocketing completely out of proportion to its valuation. And it's really interesting that you mentioned, you know, like the last four years, revenue has been dropping. Mm. You know, going slightly longer term, 2010, like a decade ago, revenue of GameStop was $9.5 and, and its net income was about $500 billion. Respectable, profitable company, Back in 2010, without the advent of technology and like online uh, game streaming uh, capabilities, doing reasonably well. Technology caught up. Sadly, it became one of these dinosaur companies. As of last year, revenue shrank by 50%. So revenue was down to $5 billion. Net income was a loss of 300, or slightly under $300 million. And it's in a massive uh, problem right now, given the COVID pandemic. No one goes and buys games anymore in a mall. You can just stream them offline or you play online games through your phone. So the underlying business model is actually quite terrible. But it's a sad fact of the matter where when your shares, when your shares outstanding in terms of being shorted are so high, a short squeeze potential is very, very easily possible. That was brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, that is something I am going to be listening to over and over again. So clear at Saksing. Arun, what is the end game of these retail investors here? And at what point does the price of stocks like GameStop start going down? <laughs> you know, the famous like flows before pros, right? Like, where in the short run, and this is something that, uh, you know, the father of value investing, right? Like uh, Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett's mentor, has always maintained in the short run, stock prices are purely driven by the flow of capital between buyers and sellers. And you can have like manic depressing times, you can have crazy boom times. As a 
true investor who should be there for the long run and not consider this as you know coming into a stock uh, into a stock one day and going out the other it's all about trying to understand value and what the actual long term ability of a company to be able to generate cash flows will be able to attain it's it but you know for short period of time which can range from anywhere from a couple of days to even a couple of years the share prices can be completely out of whack from what its underlying business model is you know let's go back i think uh, about a month ago or something mm-hmm. when we were talking on the show this company called signal advance right like elon musk tweeted everyone mm-hmm. should get out of whatsapp going to signal mm-hmm. the share price of signal so signal advance the share price value like 8x or 10x or some crazy number the company actually came out with a tweet saying this has got nothing to do with our business uh we've not even filed our income statement for the past i don't know one or two years the share price though even today is still something like four times higher than where it was pre elon musk's tweet and you know it's the end game of retail investors is just to or retail traders in this case mm-hmm. or the guys who run wall street bets mm-hmm. is to make a very quick buck and they've actually identified god bless their souls they've identified a shortcoming in the financial markets where they've figured out an ability to basically pump up stocks quite substantially and the last thing anyone who's listening to the show should be doing is being the last one who holds the bag like when you have youtube clips of 7 hours where quote unquote an extremely savvy investor called roaring kitty is dipping a chicken tender in champagne talking about gamestop share price appreciation it's something to really take a step back and say okay easy money was potentially made yesterday day before like it is in all other kinds of asset classes mm-hmm. does that mean that i should look at that and potentially try to make a 7x return in one day it doesn't work like that mm-hmm. and that will sadly lead to a lot of people potentially losing their shirt by getting in on the game too late okay great great um note of caution there correct am i right to say a short squeeze ends when people simply stop buying the stock when the story dies down enough and all these wall street bets guys decide okay you know what we've kind of done uh, with the stock we've made enough money let's go on to the next and when that attention dries down on a certain stock and the buyer interest kind of subsides the share price in the long run will eventually go back to its fundamental value so no so buying they, pressure the price cannot go up right No, no, exactly. No additional buyers coming into the market. Mm-hmm. It will have to lead to the share price eventually correcting, unless the company does turn around and does phenomenally well in its underlying business. So, since GameStop is shorted in excess of a hundred percent, hundred thirty-nine percent, I think, does this open up the possibility of something called an infinity squeeze? <laughs> well, it, it was a hundred and thirty-nine percent. I think like yesterday or the day before that. Correct. uh you know many people would have uh, take would have cleared up their shorts it's impossible to hold regardless of how much capital you have it's impossible to hold a short when it's gone up like you know 50x or 80x so rest be assured i think over the next couple of weeks you'll start seeing the short interest potentially go down to more still elevated i would imagine considering the underlying business model of the company is so weak it'll probably go down to 30 40% so this 
infinite short squeeze aspect of, you know, it rallying another like million percent from here, I would imagine that the odds of that are not as high as one would expect. Okay, so Chamath Paliapitaya, the billionaire tech investor, opened a position. He's closed out his position on GameStop after making, I think, uh, well, a lot of money. He bought $125,000 worth of GameStop call options at $115 um, and then, you know, has made so much money. He's donating it to Barstool Sports, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of money. Uh, He's since defended, though, the power of individual investors to compete with Wall Street hedge funds. What do you think? I completely agree, right? Like, which is why I said that one line in the middle of my tirade against this entire valuation concept. <laughs> but uh, I think the one aspect that has come to light is just because you're working in a hedge fund and you think you're being extremely savvy, it's extremely important to not take leverage, be very cognizant of the uh, black swan events that can take place that can lead to potentially you having to shut down your fund. And there's so much pent up aggression, potentially even overspilling from the great financial crisis, where you have a lot of retail investors coming out saying, I have no idea what these hedge fund guys are doing. You know what? If 150,000 of us can get together and basically capitulate one of a very good performing hedge fund, why can't we do this again and again? And that's exactly what we've seen, right? Where, and don't take me wrong, I think a lot of the analysis, and I'm uh, on a lot of these public blogs, Mm -hmm. some of the analysis that has come out from, quote unquote, these retail investors Mm -hmm. has truly been phenomenal. Like it's better than any large investment bank research report I've read half the time. So they have their fundamentals down. And have you been to this Wall Street Reddit site? Oh, of course. I mean, I'm an avid subscriber. I, I love the memes that keep uh, popping up. <laughs> it's, oh, you're it's on like it. Trump tweets. <laughs> it's just like Trump tweets, sadly, right? Like, it's like roadkill. You're just attracted to seeing something, even though it might be just purely for entertainment value half the time. No, I mean, you were there before this Wednesday? Oh, no, no. I, I, I've been following it for the last, like, couple of months. Oh, because, wow. Because you can see... Why don't you like, tell us he, these things? BFWE, <laughs> uh, who's the founder of Wall Street Bet, and I won't go into the full form uh, because it's a censored uh, word, but BFWE has been running this thing for a while, and he apparently has taken like $50,000 and made it into like $48 million, which is insane. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's always very important that... You know, but some would say, so what? That's what hedge fund, the big hedge fund investors have been doing all this time. Anyway. Exactly. You just take yeah. leverage and you just outdo your competition and mm-hmm. they manage to figure out a perfect way of doing it. But once again, you know, a word of caution. Yeah. Reading all these crazy success stories of four people or 10 people or 100 people mm. making 2,000% returns in a day. If you go back the last 1,000 years, it has always ended badly for the majority of retail investors or investors in general Mm. who come in too late into the game. And they're the chickens in the game. Listen, TD Ameritrade is placing restrictions on the buying and selling of uh, shares like GameStop because they are they want to eliminate margin trading, right? They want investors to front the entire cost of these transactions in advance. Do you think um, barring any sort of regulations, investigations from SEC? Or, well, well, actually, the question is, do you think they are, the SEC is going to come in on this? I don't see 
how they can come in on this because mm-hmm. technically what everyone is doing is completely legal, right? And you just have a bunch of retail investors. You have these massive forums, mm-hmm. and they've just gone about buying stock, be it on margin, uh, and they've gone it's about doing it. Coordinated. There's no rules against social media coordination. <laughs> I mean, there is because there's no insider trading over here, right? Like you have and the, the, the sad fact of the the longer term end story of this is always going to be. The company's fundamental takeover, the share price drops down tremendously. Mm. A lot of people lose their money. Mm. And then they start hands up in the air saying, what is going on here? Why weren't there more regulation, etc.? Yeah. But in the current state and form, unless they outlaw freedom of speech in the U.S., which is not going to happen, mm. it's it impossible for the SEC to do anything about it. Yeah, that's a good, great point, Arun. And what other uh, threads are you on, Arun? Now is the time to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it out of him eventually, listeners. All right. As part of its regular operations to control liquidity, the People's Bank of China has offered 2 billion yuan in new liquidity this week, Tuesday. That's far lower than expected. And that's raised speculation that it may have started a faster than expected reduction of COVID stimulus, given forecasts for strong economic growth for China this year. So what do you think? What is China trying to do here? Um, do, Do you see any prospects for rapid reduction in monetary stimulus in China? Or is it just trying to address risks in its financial system? I, I, I think it's the latter, to be honest, Michelle. I, I think the, the you know rapid de-escalation is going to be extremely difficult for the PBOC to pull off or even warrant right now, given you know that there have been like uh, re-emergences of COVID uh, issues and cases and lockdowns of various provinces, etc. I think that the part which is a little bit surprising is given the timing of this lack of uh, a larger liquidity injection because it's pre-lunar uh, New Year, wherein you have a lot of demand for cash. And that is where PBOC typically tends to come in and just to like uh, assuage the fears of the market. But this year was a bit different. They've actually been draining. That's led the overnight repo rate to go up to like close to a six-year high at close to 3%. I think the, what PBOC is looking at is trying to eliminate the larger systemic risks in the market, reduce leverage to some extent, getting back to at least in, take that first baby step to try and start normalizing monetary policy. And while I don't think they're going to start raising the benchmark interest rates uh, anytime soon, but the aspect of reducing fiscal stimulus, cooling credit growth, taking those baby steps to reduce leverage, I think is something that's definitely on their cards. And this is their moment to shine, right? Because China has definitely come out of this whole pandemic in a lot better state than the US and most definitely the EU. So I think this is something that uh, smaller economies like Singapore and the ASEAN region have to be a little bit careful about because you have China over here that's doing decently well, potentially tightening its monetary policy, while at the same time you have the US that's continuing to have a very loose monetary policy at least for the next two years. So, you know, it'll be a very delicate balancing act that smaller economies like us need to be a little bit careful about. Brilliant. Okay, before we let you go, you know, as investors, we look to the spate of earnings releases for some clues about the health of the corporate world. So what has stood out for you in terms of corporate earnings so far? Uh, Nothing 
very, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boeing came out, uh, earnings were like, uh, you know, share price went down 4%. It obviously took a big loss given the whole 737 uh, grounding. I think, it, I, I, you know, as mentioned in the beginning of the show, I think it was interesting where companies like AMD came out, had really good earnings, yet the share price dropped 6%. Apple, phenomenal earnings, growth of 20% year on year. Every single product of it had double-digit growth. Installation base of like 1.65 billion people. And they're going about creating their own chips to quite a big success, along with having huge growth rate in the greater China region of more than 50%. Yet what happens to the stock price? It drops by 4% after hours. Was it trading at a slightly elevated mark? Yes, but as compared to all the other stocks, not at all. So personally, I think Apple is a very interesting bet at this point. Facebook, I think, uh, is going to be quite, it's going to have a quite a tough year. Uh, Apple has obviously clamped down a lot on its privacy settings, something that we talked a lot about given the whole antitrust regulations that might be kicking in. Uh, Zuckerberg came out and shots were fired against Apple, claiming that WhatsApp privacy is better than iOS's. Uh, so, you know, while it had very good earnings, I think the regulatory overhang for Facebook is going to be leading it to have a very difficult year. Microsoft had a phenomenal year with Azure growing at over 50%. So that's definitely a stock uh, to watch out for for investors. Tesla, well, you know, we can talk a lot more about Tesla maybe next time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> First ever profitable year for Tesla. Indeed, bad yeah. props to that. <laughs> but always be careful about the, reg- the the regulatory credits that it earns. So that's still something to watch out for. True. But, yeah. you know, a very good uh, top line growth at least. Oh, what a brilliant show we've had. Arun, thank you so much for joining us with all the brilliant insights. My pleasure. Thanks, as always, for having me, Michelle. He's Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow, right here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.